1: Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show Podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show.
2: Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. James Glenn producing Dave King, Engineering. I'm looking forward to the second hour of today's program, if I can just jump ahead a bit. A conversation with Rich Jones, who is the founder and senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Worship Center in Hillsboro. He's also founder and chairman of Blessers of Israel, along with associate pastor Matthew Dodd. He's executive director of Blessers of Israel. We're going to talk about the podcast, news feed, speaker opportunities, a great ministry to keep you up to date on what's happening in the world in light of Scripture. That's coming up For the entire second hour of today's program. So looking forward to that. But first to look at some of the day's news. Well, President Biden and Speaker Kevin McCarthy, they met late yesterday afternoon to continue their negotiation on raising the debt limit. Well, the fact that these negotiations are occurring is a win for McCarthy. The president spent months flatly refusing to negotiate at all. So I guess it's a good thing now. And the fact remains that House Republicans have passed the only legislation that avoids a debt default. Well, according to a new Associated Press poll, only 19 percent of the public supports Joe Biden's position of raising the debt limit with no conditions. While 63% of the public supports McCarthy's position of only raising the debt limit if spending reductions are included, 16% of the public doesn't believe we should raise the debt limit at all. Now, there's a, to suggest raising the, the, I should say, um, spending reductions there's not broad agreement on how to go about that but nonetheless those are the current numbers it's no coincidence that mccarthy's approval ratings are up significantly while the president's ratings are down well the president also made headlines at the g7 press conference for suggesting that he might invoke the 14th amendment as a means of dealing with the debt limit when asked about a possible 14th amendment solution to the crisis the president said i'm looking at the 14th amendment i think we have the authority the question Is, could it be done and invoked in time? Well, Janet Yellen, his own Treasury Secretary, said on Sunday that the 14th Amendment isn't something that could be appropriately used in these circumstances. And she's right. Well, most Americans equate the 14th Amendment with the constitutional guarantee of equal protection of the laws. But Section 4 includes a rather obscure clause It's getting a lot of attention these days. It states the validity of the public debt of the United States shall not be questioned. Well, the amendment's only relevance in this debate is that Yellen must prioritize debt repayment. In other words, she has to ensure that the interest payments on the national debt are made first based on tax receipts. Then the federal government can start to fund other programs based on what is left over. Well, as the Wall Street Journal explained... What the 14th Amendment doesn't allow is the claim by many that the president can issue new debt without the consent of Congress. Well, Speaker Kevin McCarthy blasted the president's uh, talk about invoking some mythical executive power to evade the debt limit, saying President Biden doesn't think there is a single dollar of savings to be found in the federal government's budget. He'd rather be the first president in history to default on the debt than to risk upsetting the socialists calling the shots in his party. Right now. Hmm. Well, Senator Tim Scott has jumped into the race, referring, of course, to the presidential race on the Republican side. His entry has been assumed since he began his Faith in America tour just a few months back. But South Carolina Republican Senator Tim Scott made it official yesterday as he formally announced his entry into a crowded GOP presidential primary field. That also includes the former Palmetto State Governor who appointed him to the Senate, Nikki Haley. Scott, whose lifetime 90 percent ACU rating makes him one of the nation's most reliably conservative senators, aims to use his compelling backstory and his poor black southern family upbringing to separate himself from the others in the field. Scott has a wealth of political experience, having served On his local county council for over a decade before moving to state office and quickly running up the ladder to the post he now holds. Scott was appointed to the Senate in 2013 to finish the term of Jim Dement, who resigned to become president of the Heritage Foundation. Well, the junior senator from South Carolina has already secured the endorsement of two of his fellow senators, Mike Rounds of South Dakota and John Thune of North Dakota. Thune, the Senate's second in command, calls Scott an inspirational candidate. I don't know about you, Thune added, but I think our country is ready to be inspired again. Even Donald Trump was pleased to see Scott got into the race and wished him luck, saying, I got opportunity zones done with Tim, a big deal that... Uh, Had been highly successful. We shouldn't expect this era of good feelings to continue if Scott becomes a threat to Trump's polling lead, but it's a nice start. Meanwhile, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is expected to announce his campaign for president on Wednesday night in a modern fashion in an online conversation with Elon Musk on Twitter. Well, the uh, governor is expected to follow up. The 6 p.m. Twitter Spaces Musk interview with an 8 p.m. interview with Trey Gowdy on Fox News, according to a Fox report. Additional details about DeSantis post-announcement moves, including his travel schedule and if and when he will be have a public kickoff of his campaign in Florida remains pretty unclear. He's meeting with top financial backers in Miami this week. Santos has long been seen by many on the right as the Republican best position to take on former President Donald Trump, his one-time ally in what is likely to be a grueling and potentially nasty primary race. Hmm. Well, the culture war candidates for Oregon school boards mostly lost this time around. We'll tell you more about that. I also want to remind you that in our second hour, and I would uh, encourage you, if at all possible, to stick around for that a conversation with Rich Jones, pastor of Calvary Chapel um, Worship Center in Hillsboro, and his associate pastor, Matthew Dodd, or Matt Dodd, I think he more commonly is known by. He's the executive director of Blessers of Israel. It's a new ministry that I think um, all of us can benefit by if we want to have a resource to bring us or to keep us up to date on what's happening in uh, the uh, in the world as it relates to Israel and the latter days. So that's a conversation we'll have in the five o'clock hour. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back momentarily.
1: You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. Is aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
2: Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. We're continuing our march through some of the day's headlines. Also in the second hour, a conversation about a new ministry you need to be aware of, Blessers of Israel. And by the way, if you can't wait, you can go to the website blessers.org. And that's spelled with an O, blessers.org. Well, in nonpartisan school board races across Oregon this spring, particularly in the Portland area, exurbs as they're referred to, candidates backing a nationally field tested Republican strategy calling for more parental control of school curriculum and materials largely came up short. Prime examples were in Canby and Newburgh on the uh, the fringes of the Portland metro area, which had been home to politically charged battles over banning books and Black Lives Matters signage. Voters largely lined up behind candidates who rallied behind protections for LGBTQ plus students rights and the ability of educators to teach freely about the country's complicated history with race, which isn't quite a fair way of assessing opposition to a particular method. Voters in the large districts of Salem, Hillsborough and Bend also elected progressive candidates championing equity initiatives and free access to information over opponents calling for back to basics approaches to academics and discipline and more parental control. Julie Marsh, a professor of education and public policy at the University of Southern California, said the trend isn't only hitting Oregon, which is a very progressive, read, liberal state. She said the failure of the so-called red wave to materialize nationally last November, plus school board election results in the suburbs of Chicago, Milwaukee, Missouri and Oklahoma this spring, mark a slowdown in the momentum of what she called the culture war campaigns. Groups that have been endorsing and training candidates like the Moms for Liberty and the 1776 Project, they've acknowledged that they've lost more than they've won. The question is why? I think it's because their opponents at the local level are getting more savvy. The unions are getting involved, and they were heavily involved uh, criticizing their their opponents and working with community-based organizations. And people are starting to recognize the politicization of their schools, which is what motivated this movement in the first place. Well, in Oregon, that certainly was the case. In Newburgh, for example, there are uh, there and in other districts around the state, both sides had independent advocacy groups willing to spend big on their behalf. The Oregon Family Council, which works to uh, turn out Christian voters, reported spending more than $230,000 this year, including nearly 60000 in the waning days of the election. With any movement you start building, you have some wins, some loses. Reagan Knope, a former political director of Oregon Right to Life and the son of Republican Senate Minority Leader Tim Knope of Bend, said... Uh, Knope, the parent of two preschool-aged children, lives in Albany and helps run a political action committee there that propelled two school board candidates to victory. He pointed to a recent survey by Portland pollster DHM Research that found that 60% of respondents favored a blanket ban on the provision of gender transitioning care to anyone under 18 as evidence that the parents' rights case, the cause rather, has public sentiment on its side. Communicating that message in a political campaign that is heavily backed by unions and other uh, previously organized political organizations is a daunting task, but I commend those who made the effort. Well, this is sort of awkward for me, but here we go. A feminine hygiene dispenser was found in the toilet of an Oregon high school boys bathroom in an apparent protest against a recent law. This was at Lakeridge High School. Um, They had the dispenser in every bathroom, including the boys bathrooms, where one was placed in a stall toilet. Photos of the abandoned dispenser were shared online per an email from the school sent to parents. This was not the first time. In the last week, we have been combating vandalism in the boys' bathrooms. Students have been taking the uh, dispenser down and placing them inside the toilets. We would like your help in stopping this form of vandalism. Well, some would suggest it's vandalism to invite girls into the boys' room and to pretend that girls um, are boys when they need feminine hygiene products. But that's perhaps the subject for another day. Well, Memorial Day weekend is almost here, marking the unofficial start of summer, and many people will be looking for ways to get outside. Well, if you're planning to visit Multnomah Falls on your to-do list, you'll soon need to buy a permit. Yes, you heard me, buy a permit. Starting this Friday, the 26th of May, permits will be required for each vehicle that accesses Multnomah Falls by taking Interstate 84 and the parking lot near Exit 31. Permits will cost you $2. They can be purchased online. They include a one-hour time slot that can be uh, reserved for up to two weeks in advance. Though Visitors can stay longer than an hour. Permits will be required between 9 a.m. and 6 p.m. every day through Monday, September 4th. There will also be a limited number of permits for a same-day pickup at the gateway to the Gorge Visitor Center in Troutdale and Cascade Locks, Historical museum; those permits will be free, according to the Oregon Department of Education of Transportation. Rather, but you need to have one. Visitors who take a shuttle or travel by bike do not need to purchase permits or either of the um, of potential sites. Well, unlike last summer, time used to permits will not be required this year to travel through the stretch of the historical Columbia River Highway, nicknamed the Waterfall Corridor. ODOT implemented a permit pilot program that aimed to reduce congestion along the highway. The agency said the uh, the pilot program was a success, but they can't run the program and staff it without dedicated funding. So permits required to visit Multnomah Falls and other locations. Well, in other news, uh, Russian court today ordered that the pretrial detention of Wall Street Journal reporter Evan Gerskovich Uh, who has been held on accusations of espionage since March, be extended another three months. He will be kept in custody until at least the 30th of August, Russia's state media outlet TASS reported. The reporter's pretrial detention was supposed to expire on the 29th, but investigators from Russia's Federal Security Service successfully petitioned the judge in his case to prolong it. The court received a request from the investigation to extend the preventative measure in the form of a detention against the accused until August the 30th. The court session has already begun, the report from TASS said. Credentialed by the Russian foreign ministry, Gerskovich was reporting on the Russian war effort from Moscow when he was detained on the 29th of March on charges of illegally obtaining information constituting a state secret about the activities of an enterprise within Russia's military industrial complex, end quote. Gerskovich had lived in Moscow for several years. In April, the State Department formally designated him as wrongfully detained in Russia, unlocking an array of resources that allows the U.S. to put further pressure on Russia to secure the journalist's release. Today, Secretary Blinken made a determination that Evan Gerskovich is wrongly detained by Russia. The State Department said at the time, journalism is not a crime. We condemn the Kremlin's continued repression of independent voices in Russia and its ongoing war against the truth. The rarely used wrongfully detained designation, which means the U.S. considers Gerskovich to be a political hostage, Held on fabricated charges, moves his case to a section of the State Department called the Office of the Special Presidential Envoy for Hostage Affairs. In late March, the president condemned his detainment and demanded the Kremlin let him go. He clarified to reporters at the time that the U.S. wasn't planning any expulsion of Russian diplomats in retaliation. We'll continue to follow the story and to remember others being detained in Russia. In other news, President Joe Biden issued a terse three-sentence statement late Monday evening following the conclusion of his talks with House Speaker Kevin McCarthy on how to raise the debt ceiling, which failed to yield a final agreement, but which both sides said was productive. I just concluded a productive meeting with Speaker McCarthy about the need to prevent default and to avoid a a catastrophe for our economy. He reiterated once again that default is off the table and the only way to move forward is in good faith toward a bipartisan agreement, end quote president said in a statement, while there are areas of disagreement, he went on to say the speaker and I and his uh, lead negotiators, Chairman McHenry and Congressman Graves and our staffs will continue to discuss the path forward. McCarthy also told reporters that the Monday evening meeting was productive, even though there was no progress yet. He said staff would continue to meet and he expected to be in touch with Biden every day. There are just 10 days left before the government is expected to have to borrow more money in order to pay its current obligations. Both sides have agreed that action is needed to reduce the deficit, but each has different ideas about how to do it. Republicans are looking to cut spending from today's levels, while Democrats have called to increase tax revenue from the ultra-wealthy and large corporations. The Federal Trade Commission has issued a warning on the potential for consumers' biometric information to be misused in connection with emerging technologies like generative artificial intelligence and machine learning. A policy statement published by the FTC last week warned that the increasingly pervasive use of consumers' biometric data, including by technologies powered by machine learning and AI, artificial intelligence, poses risks to consumers' privacy and data. Biometric information is data that depicts or describes physical, biological or behavioral traits and characteristics, including measurements of an identified person's body or a person's voice print. Being misused by this new technology. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Quick break. We'll continue to take a look at the news.
1: You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
2: Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Well, conservative legal groups have expressed concern over the Biden administration's recently announced guidance on religious expression in public schools, believing that it might increase violations of First Amendment rights for teachers and students. Well, on Monday, the U.S. Department of Education released the details of a new guidance titled Guidance on Constitutionally Protected Prayer and Religious Expression in Public Elementary and Secondary Schools. Well, there's reason for this uh, concern. Anytime the government begins giving guidance on prayer and religious expression, one must pay very close attention. Well, the Biden administration announced Monday that seven Western states had reached an agreement to conserve critical Colorado River system water supplies amid severe drought conditions. The agreement reached by the so-called lower basin states of Arizona, California and Nevada ensures that at least three million acre feet of or 978 billion gallons of Colorado River water supplies are conserved by 2027, according to the Department of the Interior, which has worked with states to address shortages. Well, under the plan, at least half of that amount will be conserved by 2025. There are 40 million people, seven states and 30 tribal nations who rely on the Colorado River Basin for basic services such as drinking water and electricity, according to the Interior Secretary, Deb Haaland, in a statement on Monday. Senator Tom Carper, a Democrat out of Delaware, announced Monday that he will not seek reelection in 2024, paving the way for someone new to hold that seat after his four terms in service. Carper is 76, served as governor of Delaware before winning four terms as a Delaware senator. His retirement may cause a pitched battle among Democrats to win the party's primary for the deep blue state. Carper did indicate support for a specific successor on Monday. While nothing is forever, the Delaware Democratic Party is blessed today with a bench as strong as any I've seen in my 50 years that I've called Delaware home, Carper said in a press conference If there was ever an opportune time to step aside and pass the torch to the next generation, it's coming and it will be here on January 3rd, 2025. But until then, God willing, I'll continue working 60 hour weeks and coming home on the train most nights as long as Martha keeps leaving the light on for me. Excuse me. Monday morning, uh, I should say, Carper says that he called Representative Lisa Blunt of Rochester, I guess it's Blunt Rochester, a Democrat from Delaware, Monday morning and said he was getting out of the way in order for her to run. He said she accepted his support, but he declined to say whether she plans to run. The Biden administration's national security adviser, Jake Sullivan, was grilled by CNN on Sunday after the Pentagon revealed that the U.S. made at least a three billion dollar accounting error in valuing the weapons that it has sent to Ukraine. There was this very bizarre admission from the Pentagon this week of an accounting error that suggests that the U.S. has at least three billion dollars that it didn't know it had that it can use for Ukraine aid. The CNN anchor uh, anchor rather Jake Tapper said that's quite an accounting error and it provides a lot of fodder to critics of U.S. aid to Ukraine and critics who say there's not enough oversight going on. Are you concerned about this accounting error? Well, Tapper asked Sullivan The Pentagon admitted Thursday that it overestimated the value of weapons it had sent to Ukraine by $3 billion. Again, no small accounting error. The admission comes amid ongoing criticism from some GOP members of Congress that American funding for the war in Ukraine threatens further escalation of the conflict, according to the AP News. Sullivan, however, argued that the $3 billion was a a fortunate accounting mistake that will allow even more funding for weapons in Ukraine. A group of 27 House Republicans is calling on President Biden and Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack to disavow special presidential envoy for climate John Kerry's recent comments targeting food emissions. The Republicans, led by Representative Mark Alford and joined by Agriculture Committee Chairman Glenn Thompson and Transportation Committee Chairman Sam Graves, are sending a letter to the president and Vilsack Monday highlighting comments Kerry's recently made. Kerry lamented earlier this month that the agriculture industry has a large carbon footprint and called for innovation. We strongly urge you to denounce Kerry's remarks. These comments are a blatant slap in the face of the hardworking individuals that spend their lives sustainably producing our world's food, fuel and fiber. The GOP lawmakers stated in their letter. And although the world agriculture industry accounts for 22 percent of global GHG emissions, Kerry's alarmist narrative does not tell the full story of American agriculture. American farmers and ranchers are committed to being stewards of the land, they added. We are appalled by the comments made by Kerry and ask that your administration recognize the responsible efforts agriculture producers make every day to feed, clothe and fuel the world. Farmers and ranchers are the lifeblood to our food security and a nation that cannot feed itself would not be a nation at all. Well, on May 10th, during the Aim for Climate Summit hosted by the Department of Agriculture, John Kerry stated that net zero energy goals were impossible without addressing greenhouse gas emissions from the agriculture sector. He said the industry creates 33 percent of the world's total carbon emissions and argued that reducing these emissions must be front and center in the quest to defeat global warming. The letter Monday noted that Americans agriculture sector accounts for just one point four percent of global emissions and that domestic industry has implemented a wide range of solutions to achieve climate benefits, making it the nation's lowest emitting uh, economic sector. The Republicans also referred to federal data showing U.S. land management practices alone removed 764 million metric tons of carbon dioxide from the atmosphere in 2018. Since assuming his post as climate czar, John Kerry has done nothing but fly his private jets around the world and preach his radical gospel for the climate cult, Alford said in a statement, his latest remarks about America's agriculture industry paints a widely inaccurate picture. Democratic North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper declared a state of emergency on Monday in an effort to stop a school choice bill from passing the state legislature. Cooper released a video announcement where he declared a state of emergency, arguing that the state of public education is no less important than other emergencies. It's time to declare a state of emergency for public education in North Carolina. There's no executive order alike with a hurricane or a pandemic, but it's no less important, he stated. In response, uh, some responded by writing the following. Neutering the abuse of emergency power by the executive branch should be a priority number one for every state. Conservative account Polita tweeted. School choice advocate Corey DeAngelis writes, Uh, They're losing control over the minds of other people's children. Good. Cry harder. Another, what a hypocrite. Public schools aren't good enough for his kids, but they are for yours. Independent Women's Forum senior policy analyst Kelsey Bollard blasted. And a state of emergency over a bill passed by the legislature. Very serious. Americans for Prosperity Vice President Casey Maddox joked. Well, in April, Republican lawmakers in North Carolina announced efforts to move forward with education reform bills that promote school choice. One measure includes a bill that would provide equal funding to charter school students along, those who, along with those who attend public schools. Critics such as Cooper uh, claim that this bill mostly serves to cut funding for public schools. NAACP President Derek Johnson scolded CNN over an exit polling that showed 13 percent of black voters in the state of Florida supported Governor Ron DeSantis during his 2022 re-election. On Monday, CNN's This Morning co-host Sarah Sidner asked Johnson about the poll, noting it was not a small number of black voters who backed DeSantis for governor. Well, Johnson dismissed the numbers as propaganda. The NAACP issued a formal travel advisory against Florida on Sunday, arguing that the state has engaged in an all out attack on black Americans and other minority groups. DeSantis dismissed the advisory as a stunt. Meanwhile, Anheuser-Busch is offering to buy back unsold cases of Bud Light from wholesalers, stuck with expired inventory as the fallout over its partnership with a transgender social media influencer has sent sales plummeting since April. In early May, Bud Light offered free beer to every employee of the company distributors in an attempt to reassure them and amid millions of dollars in lost sales. For the entire month of April, sales were reportedly down 21.4 percent, as Budweiser sales similarly slagged 11.5 percent. Since the original controversy in early April, Anheuser-Busch has sought to pivot away from the contentious cultural issue toward a more patriotic tone. Many suggest it was too little, too late. The designer behind one of uh, Target's brand partnerships for Pride Month has revealed to have an affinity for Satanism, it's Ab Pralin or something very like that, a browned out of uh, the United Kingdom and headed by a self-proclaimed gay transgender man known as Eric, per the website, has had a collaboration in the works with the retailer for roughly a year. The collection includes a sweatshirt that reads Cure Transphobia, Not Trans People, a tote bag that reads Too Queer for Here and a messenger pack that reads We Belong Everywhere. Among the uh, other apparel are images of pentagrams. Horned skulls and references to devils. Satan respects pronouns, reads one previous design featured on T-shirts and pins. Laura Legan weighs in saying, go ahead, Target, you hang with Satan, we'll hang with God instead. And those of you thinking you can sit this one out, good luck. We'll hang with Satan instead. Target receives massive backlash after woke merch designer exposed to be a Satanist. I tell you, it can be exhausting keeping up with it all. We're going to take a quick break and I'll take a deep breath, but we'll be back with our final segment of Headline News. In the second hour, a conversation with Rich Jones and Matthew Dodd, both pastors from Calvary Chapel Worship Center in Hillsboro, and the founder, chairman and executive director of Blessers of Israel. That's coming up in our second hour.
1: You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
2: Hey, we're back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Coming up in the second hour, a conversation with the founder and director of um, Blessers of Israel, as well as the executive director, Rich Jones and Matthew Dodd, will join me to talk about this new ministry. Want to make sure that you have all the important details so that you can stay. Informed about what's happening and what the scriptures have to say about it. That's coming up in the second hour of today's program. Well, let's see. FBI Director Chris Ray will testify before the House Judiciary Committee in mid-July to answer for the agency's follies. Well, the director is expected to appear before the House Judiciary Committee for the first time since a series of embarrassing revelations emerged about the bureau. A person familiar with the plans confirmed. And while Ray and committee members are still finalizing a date, the hearing is expected to come just weeks after special counsel John Durham released his findings of unethical conduct in the Russia collusion investigation house republicans unveiled evidence that the fbi retaliated against whistleblowers and a court document exposed the bureau's abuse of a surveillance tool while targeting americans suspected of attending the january 6th 2021 event a trans high school runner took second place so the fourth place runner a girl doesn't get to advance to the state finals well, the athlete is being slammed after placing second across a field of high school girls and even prevented one from securing a state championship place. Athena Ryan, who transitioned from male to female, has been running in the boys' team for Sonoma Academy until 2021 when he switched to the girls' team. The junior stormed to the uh, runner up position in the varsity girls' 1600 meter finals uh, at the meet of champions that took place on Saturday. In the aftermath of the race, Ryan boasted about her. His rapid progress, shaving vast amounts of time off of the best performance, Uh, he vaulted from sixth place in the last 1,600-meter race to second ahead of a field of senior high school females. President Biden is looking to end DNA testing at the southern border, which has helped track down human traffickers. The Biden administration is set to end the familial DNA testing at the U.S.-Mexico border. It's been key in preventing the fraudulent entry of many illegal immigrants and mitigating child trafficking. The DNA testing was originally implemented by the Trump era and utilized by Customs Border Protection. Following a court order related to the separation of migrant children from their families and evidence drug cartels were using children to create fake family units to sneak illegal immigrants across the border. But over the weekend, the CBP memo sent to frontline border agents announced the testing will cease when its vendor contract expires this month. In 2019, DNA testing showed 30 percent of migrant groups were unrelated, despite pretending to be related. Well, Meta has been fined a record 1.2 billion euros, that's 1.3 billion dollars, by European privacy regulators over the transfer of EU user data to the U.S. The decision links back to a case brought by um, Austrian privacy campaigner Max Schrims, who argued that the framework for transferring EU citizen data to America did not protect Europeans from U.S. surveillance. And Russia issued a warning to the U.S. to not supply Ukraine with F-16s. The warning um, uh, said that should the uh, U.S. supply F-16 fighter jets to Ukraine, that it would raise the question of NATO's role in the war. President Biden on Friday told Group of Seven or G-7 leaders that the United States will support a joint effort to train Ukrainian pilots on F-16s, an effort expected to start soon outside Ukraine at sites in Europe. Russian ambassador to the U.S. Anatoly Anatov. Meanwhile, he claimed there was no infrastructure for Ukrainians to operate F-16s in the country, suggesting NATO pilots would step in to use the airfield or the aircraft instead. Well, despite the president's misleading rhetoric, recent polling shows that he is not winning his debt ceiling standoff against Speaker McCarthy, at least in the public opinion. Again, just 19 percent of American support. The no conditions debt ceiling demands, whereas 63% of the public agree with McCarthy that the inclusion of spending reductions is reasonable. The more green the dream is implemented, the more an elevated risk there will be for Americans all across the country to experience power blackouts. That's a conclusion of the North American Electrical Reliability Corporation, which recently published its power reliability assessment for the U.S. for this coming summer. The reason has everything to do with the forced shrinking of the use of reliable fossil fuel-based power plants in favor of solar and wind. Reliability is the biggest problem with renewables. As CEO for America's Power Michelle Bloodworth explained, coal is... Um, More than five times as dependable as wind and more than twice as dependable as solar when electric electricity demand is greatest. Despite that reality, Biden's EPA is plowing forward with new energy crippling regulations, leaving Americans to needlessly suffer the consequences of the moral green crusade. Well, some 30 tons of ammonium nitrate has recently gone missing from a train car. And it apparently happened while the train was in transit between Wyoming and California. The shipment of highly explosive substance, uh, which is primarily used for fertilizer, was originally shipped from Cheyenne, Wyoming, on the 12th of April. But by the time it arrived at its destination in uh, Saltdale, California, two weeks later, the ammonium nitrate had disappeared. Making matters even more strange is the fact that the car in which the ammonium nitrate had been contained was still sealed. The Federal Railroad Administration is currently investigating with one of the theories being that the ammonium nitrate pellets somehow leaked out as the train traveled. Irrespective of how it's gone missing, if uh, it if this amount of ammonium nitrate got into the wrong hands, the damage could be massive. Hunter Biden's mistress is asking the court to jail him over his failure to provide financial disclosures. And U-Haul crashed into a security barrier near the White House. The driver had a Nazi flag um, in the truck with him at the time. He has been charged with attempting to um, assault the president. America's missile defense system is in tatters, a government report found. And the Dodgers re-invited the anti-Catholic group to Pride Night amid the uproar. TikTok is suing Montana over its recent ban of the social media platform, and Nebraska's governor signed a ban on abortion and child sex transitions. Carrie Lake lost her last claim in her Arizona election challenge. China's cybersecurity regulator has banned Chinese firms from buying chips from U.S. memory manufacturer Micron Technology the cyberspace administration of China said Sunday it found that the company's uh, products pose significant security risks to critical Chinese information infrastructure including state-owned bank and telecom operators. The ban comes after China announced a review of, Mi- of Micron imports in late March and a move that was seen at the time as retaliation for sanctions Washington has imposed on Chinese chipmakers in recent years. Idaho-based Micron is the largest memory manufacturer In the United States. Well, on this day in history, 1911, the New York Public Library constructed a Fifth Avenue and 42nd Street facility. It was dedicated by President William Taft. 1915, Italy declares war on Austria Hungary during World War I. 1939, on this day in history, the Navy submarine USS Squalus sinks during a test drive off Portsmouth, New Hampshire. 1958, Wilt Chamberlain announces he's leaving the University of Kansas to turn pro. Since he is unable to sign with an NBA team for another year, he chooses to play with the Harlem Globetrotters, Trotters rather, to prepare for his pro career. 1984, Surgeon General C. Everett Koop issues a report saying there is very solid evidence linking cigarette smoke to lung disease in non-smokers. And 2018, the NFL owners approve a new policy allowing players to protest during the national anthem by staying in the locker room but forbidding players from sitting or taking a knee if they're on the field. And finally, on this day in history, 2018, the federal judge rules that President Trump violates the First Amendment when he blocks critics on Twitter because of their political views. We've got news and traffic coming up next. And when we return, a conversation with Pastor Rich Jones and Associate Pastor Matthew Dodd about a new ministry you need to be aware of, Blessers of Israel. They've got a significant podcast, newsfeed, opportunities for speakers, all of that Coming up,
1: you're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
2: Well, good afternoon and welcome back. You're listening to the second hour of the Georgine Rice Show. I'm so excited about this portion of today's program because we're going to introduce a ministry to some of you for the first time that was really launched a couple of months ago but was birthed um, in 2022. Joining me today is the founder and senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Worship Center in Hillsborough, Richard, uh, Rich Jones, who's also the founder and chairman of Blessers of Israel. Also, associate pastor Matthew Dodd, who is executive director of Blessers of Israel. And we're going to talk about this uh, vital, timely ministry uh, that we would love for you to, uh, to take advantage of as a resource. So welcome to both of you.
3: Thank you, Georgine. It is an absolute p- uh, pleasure to join you on the program today. Excited for, uh, of course, uh, this topic. It's uh, near
2: and near to my heart.
3: Thank you so much
4: for inviting us out, Georgine.
2: Absolutely. In the interest of full disclosure, I'm serving on the board of Blessers of Israel, and I, I made that conscious decision because I support the work that this ministry is, is doing. Let's just begin at the beginning. Uh, Blessers of Israel implies that there's something that believers are, are called to do. What does it mean to become a blesser of Israel?
3: Well, the, the the phrase, the name of the organization, really we trace all the way back to Genesis 12 where Abraham uh, was told by God, those who uh, bless you will be blessed, those who curse you will be cursed. And I believe that that um, is transferred then to his son, the son of promised promise, Isaac, and his son, on down to the generations, so that it's as true today as when God spoke it to Abraham, that those who bless Israel will be blessed. And I would extend that even to say that uh, that ought to inform our public policy uh, as, a, as a nation. Uh, because I believe that uh, we as a nation must decide to stand with Israel and the church must decide to stand with Israel, especially in these latter days.
2: Well, let's talk about what it means to stand with Israel. I know some of our listeners are are thinking, what about the Palestinians? If you are a blesser of Israel, if you stand with Israel, does that mean that we denounce? our Christian brethren who are Palestinian. What does that mean in practical terms as a follower of Jesus, not so much in terms of public policy just yet, but as a follower of Jesus, how does that uh, how does that work in the 21st century?
3: That is a very, very good question, <clears throat> and uh, it's going to take a long time to answer it, but I'm going to try to make it fairly short in the sense that what it means is that believers— Um, are called to stand with Israel against anti-Semitism. So I think we should start with that. There is a Mm -hmm. rising anti-Semitism in the world. Of course, uh, we saw the full brunt of it as the result of that was the Holocaust. But we are seeing a rise in anti-Semitism today all over the world. And so I think, number one, Christians need to pray and stand for Israel, stand with Israel understanding that God is not finished with Israel. Israel is um, the chosen people, near and dear to God's heart, and God is not done with Israel. And so therefore, it's incumbent upon the church to stand with and pray for uh, Israel. I think we begin there. Mm-hmm. But you also mentioned the, the Palestinian uh, issue, and of course there are believers uh, who are Palestinians, and so we we do recognize that, but we have to look at the whole of the uh, the Palestinian Arab issue and and see it in its historical context because that is a very, very large issue today that is uh, influencing the world dramatically. We really need to understand what's happening there
2: It's a very large issue, and it's very much misunderstood. Uh, by many, I think we begin with the scriptures to understand the history um, and then in in light of what the scriptures tell us to understand current events. So we would do well to begin there. I know that the founding of this organization really grew out of your love for uh, and teaching of uh, the scriptures, uh, your commitment to teaching the full counsel of God's word served as the foundational distinctive of this organization, Blessers of Israel, how important is it for us as believers to understand what the Scriptures teach on this subject of Israel, in order that first of all we please God, but then we know how to respond uh, to Scripture and and history as well as contemporary events.
3: Well, you brought up the history of of blessers of Israel as related to our role as pastors and Bible teachers, both Pastor Matthew and I have been teaching through God's Word, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, for 30, 30 plus, 33 plus years. And going through the Old Testament, verse by verse, uh, this is, in fact, our fourth time teaching through God's Word. And you see Israel through the eyes of the Lord when you teach uh, God's Word, verse by verse, chapter by mm-hmm. chapter. And you cannot help but fall in love Uh, with Israel because God loves Israel. In fact, God says to Israel that He is the husband to Israel. You cannot help but fall in love with Israel since God has such a special place in His heart for Israel. So, I think you're absolutely right. It comes out of that understanding of of God's heart for Israel by teaching through God's Word.
4: And I would add to that, when you look at the prophetic events, both pre-Christ and post-Christ, you see that uh, everything is pointing to how we as Gentiles are going to be saved through the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And so looking ahead for us as members of the body of Christ, we need to understand what role Israel is going to play in the latter days in God's prophetic mm-hmm. program mm-hmm. and with the return of Jesus Christ so then we can stand properly as pastor rich said a moment ago in prayer and in our support and in the proclamation of the gospel of jesus christ because as you know that's the only thing that will change lives is the gospel of jesus christ that's Mm -hmm. what people need that's what israel needs Mm -hmm. that's what blessers of israel is all about we want we want israel and her people to understand that jesus is the christ and he is the one Mm -hmm who will transform, and he is the one who will make right all that is wrong. We need Jesus. We, we as a church need to get to that place, because I think sometimes in this life we get so attached to the things of this earth, mm-hmm. we need to get to where John was at the end of Revelation where he says, Come, Lord Jesus. Mm-hmm. Come, Lord Jesus. There's the answer, because the Lord is going to settle all accounts, and he's going to make all right that was done wrong because of the garden.
3: But let me jump into that, because I think also— we have to recognize, and Scripture makes us to recognize, that when we look at the events that are uh, the biblical perspective of the latter days, the prophetic word, that Israel will be the center of the unfolding of prophetic events, and particularly Jerusalem, and in fact the Temple Mount, uh, where the dome of the rock is today, in the Al-Aqsa Mosque, will be the very epicenter of the unfolding events of the latter days, and literally the world will be against Israel in the latter days. So I think, you know, we we go from its history all the way to its prophetic future, and recognize that there is a spiritual battle unfolding in in uh, the world today. And it is predicted to focus itself on Israel as we draw nearer to the latter days.
2: One question I want to get in before we go to our break. Um, uh, replacement theology. There are some who believe the church has replaced Israel in terms of God's affection and his, his covenant and commitment. Can you address that so that we're clear that God can be trusted, that he is faithful when he makes a covenant, he keeps it? Uh, whether we're talking about Israel or we're talking about uh, the church. Can you address this uh, replacement theology?
3: So there is a theology um, within Christendom that believes that all of the promises made to Israel have become null and void and have been transferred to the church so that the church has replaced Israel in God's agenda, you might say, for the world. And so thus, replacement theology. Um, Now, why um, they believe that? The primary reason is because they rejected their Messiah. So in rejecting their Messiah, whom God uh, sent uh, to them, and in fact, Jesus, when he was uh, coming down the descent of the Mount of Olives, and there was Jerusalem before him, uh, on that day we call the triumphant entry, or Palm Sunday, he saw Jerusalem and he wept. He wept deeply, saying, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I've longed to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, uh, but you would not have it. Behold, your city is laid to you desolate, for you did not know the time of your visitation. And so there they connect that to they did not know the time of the visitation of the Messiah, to the rejection of the Messiah, and thus. All of the promises are null and void and replaced and given to the church. That is a modern, well, actually it's not very modern, it's quite old, but it's it's arising in in a way, you might say, it's quite old. Actually, it's as old as the Reformation and older than that
4: even. And it's created a lot of confusion in regards to where the church should stand with Israel.
3: Yes. It's also created a lot of confusion as to how to interpret Scripture because In order to uh, adhere to that doctrine, you must spiritualize a lot of God's Word. Exactly, especially the prophetic events with regards to Christ's return. Exactly.
2: All right. We need to take a break. We're going to continue our conversation. Again, we're talking about Blessers of Israel. It's not a, a, a ministry that we're hoping you'll just connect with in this conversation, but that you will become a part of this opportunity to better understand Scripture and to respond in a way that's honoring to God and uh, reflects obedience to what He is calling us to do as followers of Jesus. Quick break. We will continue in just a few moments. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show.
1: You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. Is aired on ninety three point nine KPDQ.
2: Hey, welcome back! You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. We are talking about the uh, Ministry Blessers of Israel. As the founder and senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Worship Center, Pastor Rich Jones has been committed to teaching through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And this commitment to teaching the full counsel of God's Word serves as the foundational distinctive of blessers of Israel. Now Pastor Rich has led many tours of Israel, gave him a deeper appreciation for Israel, her per, her people and the history. Pastor Rich's study of the Bible has given him a burden for Israel and her people to know Jesus as their Messiah. In 2022, he founded Blessers of Israel to equip Christians to understand the importance of standing with Israel and her people and to establish a messianic school of evangelism in Israel. We'll talk more about that a bit later. Pastor Rich believes that God will use his word to prepare the church and Israel for the events of the latter days so that many will place their faith in Jesus as their Messiah before he returns. Also with us today, Dr. Matthew uh, Dodd is the executive director of Blessers of Israel. He currently serves as an associate pastor at Calvary Chapel Worship Center in Hillsboro, where he regularly teaches at weekly services and gatherings. He's worked with Pastor Jones in various capacities since 1994, and he is the board chair of Valor Christian School International. Dr. Dodd has a heart, uh, heartfelt burden for Israel and her people, and he has co-led tours of the Holy Land, which has given him a deeper appreciation for Israel's rich history and promised future i wanted to give you a full um, introduction because i think it's important to know that you have a long history and roots in this uh, this subject of the church and our relationship to israel and what god is calling us to do now what is the vision of blessers of israel because it's it certainly is a, a resource to help inform believers but it goes much further than that what's the vision
4: Great question. Well, there's really a fourfold vision for Blessers of Israel, or maybe we'd call it like the pillars of Blessers of Israel. Mm -hmm. Uh, First and foremost, uh, what Pastor Rich was talking about earlier, it's important to inform people, the church, as to its relationship to Israel and understand um, the, the fact that Israel is going to be the epicenter of uh, prophetic events with regards to the return of Jesus Christ. And so we need to know how to stand mm-hmm. with regards to Israel in the latter days. Uh, that's the first aspect of it. So there's going to be, for blessers of Israel, we want to have a leadership that will go and speak at churches, speak at conventions to help the church understand the importance of standing with Israel in the latter days, equipping them to uh, know how to defend Israel and to support Israel. So that's the first pillar. The second pillar is, as you mentioned a moment ago, we are looking to start a Messianic school in Israel, and I'll have Pastor Rich share a little bit more about that in just a bit. But the whole goal is to equip Messianic Jews to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with their fellow countrymen and so that they could see uh, their need for a Savior and that Jesus is the Christ and they too be saved. And so we're looking for those who would be uh of like-minded faith there in israel that would rise up with us and we would equip them actually using some of the principles from calvary chapel in terms of mm-hmm. chapter by chapter mm-hmm. verse by verse teaching them from the scriptures how to share their faith uh, another component is um, the role of anti-semitism as pastor rich mentioned a moment ago there is a real increase and i think in the latter days you're going to see even more of that there's going to be an increase as the gospel goes out but with that there's going to be opposition satanic opposition to the Jews because he wants to destroy all who are made in the image of God and specifically he wants to prove God a liar in the in the sense that when if the Jews were to be removed from the face of the earth then Christ when he comes there would be no nation for him to rule over on the throne of David. So that's another key component there as well. Pastor Rich, do you want to talk about the fourth component?
3: Well, we talked earlier about the events of the world and the arising of anti-Semitism, but I think that it's important to recognize uh, the, the current events that are happening in the world as connected to biblical perspective. And so that's really that that pillar of the ministry of Blessings of Israel is to be a news source, a trusted news source that will relay the information of the events of the world but connect it to biblical prophecy and biblical perspective. So that is what we're calling the uh, Signs of the Times uh, news feed. And so that is a tremendously important Um, part of the ministry, because it's informing. It is um, doing what Jesus said. Stay on the alert. Watch for the signs of the times. So that's really uh, what the ministry is doing. It's watching for the signs of the times, interpreting the events of the world that Jesus said, and indicating that these would be the things that would happen in the latter days. But To stay on the alert means that you watch from a biblical perspective so that you can pray, so that your faith can be increased, so that your fear does not arise. But this is a very important part. In my view, we need revival. And that's what really the aim is, is to stir people up in their faith by helping them to see that the King of Kings and Lord of Lords is going to rule and reign. We know how this story ends, and we want to put it forth with boldness. Um, with that main pillar of uh, one of the main pillars of the ministry is our signs of the times newsfeed.
4: And with that, we're also started a podcast, right? And so what we want to do with the podcast is bring biblical commentary to the events that are happening right now and how they're impacting Israel specifically Mm -hmm. and how we can be in prayer and stand with Israel in light of what has happening right now.
2: No, I appreciated you, your emphasis, um, pastor rich on reliable source there's lots of information but there's very little wisdom there's very little resource to help us make sense in terms of of god's perspective of the events that we're seeing around us. It can be terrifying to look ahead, to read the headlines and wonder, what does this mean moving Mm -hmm. forward? Where is the United States in the future of the end time events, but to find a reliable source that helps us to see what does the scripture tell us about these things so that we can um, avoid panic and to respond biblically and in faith to events as we are watching them unfold.
3: Because, we need a biblical perspective, otherwise it's so disturbing to see what's happening in the world. So we have to we have to have a reliable biblical perspective, but also <clears throat> I believe we need to understand the, the the context of what's happening, particularly in the Middle East, because as I mentioned before, the events uh, of the world are going to be centered more and more upon Israel, and particularly nations arising against them. But we need to understand it in its context of -hmm. history. Because I think there's a lot that is being lost here. Particularly when we consider the the Palestinian Arab uh, or the Palestinian refugees debate. I read so many articles that are so misinformed. Because they're not aware, or at least they're not bringing to bear uh, the history of this whole uh, conflict. And when you see it in its conflict and then you see it in its biblical perspective, it brings light on it and the perspective is right.
4: And I would add to that, Georgine, that we're not here to chase headlines. I think it's easy to get caught into that mm-hmm. cycle. So our goal is not to change chase headlines, but rather... To look at what is happening in the world, how it is shaping mm-hmm. events, and then bring biblical perspective so that, again, as I mentioned a moment ago, people can be informed. And, and I think that information is powerful because God doesn't want us to be afraid. Mm-hmm. The Lord is still on the throne and sure. everything is being executed according to his plan. And so for us as a church, we get to be confident that God is working out his will, and now we want to stand where he would have us stand.
2: It seems to me that's going to become more crucial in the days ahead, where there's greater uncertainty in our own environment to be uh, reassured from God's mm-hmm. word uh, that mm-hmm. he is a sovereign God, that he is moving things forward as his word um. Promises, Now, we're going to take a quick break, but before we do, I want to make sure our listeners know what's the best way to connect with Blessers of Israel. This is a great resource uh, that I would encourage you to connect with, and there are a number of different ways to do that. But what's the best way for our listeners to connect and to uh, support this ministry?
4: Great. Just go to our website, www.blessers, and that's B-L-E-S-S-O-R-S dot O-R-G, Blessers with an O. That's the greatest way to get in contact with us, to see what we're all about, the mission and the vision. Plus, we're on social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Getter, and also on YouTube and Rumble.
2: Uh, Excellent. We're going to take a quick break. We'll return in just a few moments and talk about some of the articles you will find there at Blessers of Israel. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. My guest this afternoon, Pastor Rich Jones and Associate Pastor Matthew Dodd. We'll be back.
1: You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on ninety three point nine KPDQ.
2: Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show, and I'm so glad you've joined us today because we're talking about Blessers of Israel. It's a, a ministry that has just been birthed, at least made uh, made public, uh, that is going to provide a tremendous resource for those of us who want to walk faithfully and obediently uh, in the will of God and to understand what God's intention is for us as it relates to Israel. We were talking about the fact that there is the Signs of the Times news feed uh, and a podcast that's available to help us uh, understand events as they're unfolding. Uh, both of those resources are currently available. Uh, there are a couple of uh, several articles there as well. We touched a moment ago on anti-Semitism and what's at the heart of anti-Semitism. We've seen it historically and following uh, the end of World War II and the Holocaust, The world was so appalled by it that we collectively, or at least most of the world, suggested this will never happen again. And yet we are drifting once again Mm -hmm. into anti-Semitism. The article makes the point that this is spiritual warfare. Can you talk a bit more about, as you did uh, earlier, a bit more about the spiritual warfare that we're seeing uh, and it's expressing itself in the form of anti-Semitism?
3: Well, when you will talk about spiritual warfare, I think we have to go back... All the way back, biblically, to an understanding that the enemy knows very well that the Messiah, the Son of the living God, the Redeemer of the world, is of the Jews. Jesus said, salvation is of the Jews. Paul said, salvation is of the Jews. So we have to recognize the spiritual uh, uh, element of this. You can look at uh, uh, Revelation, for example, uh, where it, it graphically speaks about the enemy's desire to devour the, the child of the woman, in this case, Israel's son that was born, the Messiah Jesus. But that animosity and, and uh, 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 spiritual conflict is brought right to bear against the church as well. But the desire to uh, annihilate Israel You can go all the way back and see over and over in the history of the world the uh, attempts at the annihilation of the Jews. And, of course, we've seen it recently in um, the Holocaust. But even more recently than that, at at the end of World War II, when the uh, world, I think, was outraged at the uh, loss of millions of Jews of the Holocaust, sought to give a homeland to Israel. The United Nations, of course, approved a partition plan so that Israel would have a homeland. But immediately this was outright rejected by the Arabs, particularly by the Palestinian Arabs. And the immediate result was war. But that was not just a war uh, for the sake of of denying Israel an opportunity to have a country. No, it was a war for the purpose of complete annihilation. And so again you see the spiritual warfare that's behind this uh, and it's arising today again and that's why it's ever more important that we have a correct understanding of Israel in particularly uh, the prophecy and the biblical perspective.
2: One of the concerns that is uh, rising among many observers of Uh, current events is the alliance between Russia Mm -hmm. and China. And I would add Iran in there as well. But the alliance between Russia and China, is there any significance from a biblical perspective uh, in that alliance? And how might we understand uh, events as we're witnessing them today between these two major countries?
4: Yeah, I think that is very important to see. And I would with you bring in Iran, because I think when we look at A major prophecy in the book of Ezekiel Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39 there you have spelled out that there's going to be this battle of Gog and Magog Uh, Russia from the north Persia is going to be involved in some other nations as well Uh, but your two main characters are going to be Russia And Iran and they're going to come against Israel and and really when you look at Ezekiel 38 and 39 it becomes very clear that all odds are stacked against them there's no way that they could possibly win and there are other nations who are are watching and maybe voicing concern but they don't step in and intervene but God God supernaturally intervenes and destroys Israel's enemies and it becomes quite evident that god is working on behalf of israel and so really in many ways what we see going on right now uh, with russia with uh, iran and the renewed ties there even the increase of influence that iran has uh, Mm -hmm. uh, you're seeing these these relationships that are shifting and in many ways i believe are setting the stage for Ezekiel 38 and 39, the Battle of Gog and Magog.
3: But let me add to that. <clears throat> what we're seeing today, however, is that Russia is not the, uh, the bear that it thinks mm-hmm. it is, uh, but is quite weak in relationship to what people expected. And this is, of course, being revealed right now in the Ukrainian war that's unfolding. But we see now a uh, joining together, an alliance, you might say, of China— being added uh, now in this relationship that, frankly, is going to add a tremendous strength um, to uh, this partnership between Russia, China, Iran, and others in in what I have called a new axis of powers.
4: Actually, they call it the axis of resistance.
3: Mm. So that's very,
4: very fascinating. They themselves are calling it the axis of resistance against the West. And specifically the United States and Israel.
3: So this is what I I believe that is important to understand is you take a biblical perspective and then you look at the nations mentioned in the scriptures and then you see the unfolding of these events and it helps us to connect them so that we can pray rightly so that we can be prepared so that we cannot be afraid and so that we can arise in faith. We do know how the story ends. And I think with
4: China in particular I think Iran has now been emboldened knowing mm-hmm. that they've got the big brother on the block. Mm-hmm. And so now you see them flexing their muscles and their influence as a result of knowing that China's got their back.
3: But then we add a newfound relationship building between Saudi Arabia. Exactly. Yes. And Iran. And that came out of the blue. No one expected that because, you know, they've been enemies for many years. Which
4: then ties into Ezekiel 38 and 39, because Saudi Arabia will be be part of that group that will voice opposition to the attack on Israel, but do
3: nothing. But then we have to add, who was it that made that that negotiated deal? China. We see their influence growing as well.
4: In fact, what's interesting is there was a poll taken and... And there are many Palestinians who want China to be involved with Mm -hmm. negotiations Mm -hmm. because they trust China more than the United States Mm -hmm. to have their back in negotiating with Israel. And Israel actually has reached out to China for assistance with the Palestinian conflict as well.
3: And many believe that perhaps China is the one that's going to negotiate some kind of peace between Ukraine and Russia. Their influence is growing exponentially in the world and therefore, we must keep our eyes on what's happening there in those relationships with China.
4: Right now, we have such a polarizing between East and West like we haven't seen in many, many decades. Since,
3: since the Cold War. Georgina, I just realized we're still, <laughs> we just ran off with uh, a tremendous interest in all this and I apologize.
2: Oh no, not at all. People are listening to hear what you have to say. I'm facilitating this conversation. But I think, again, I think it's important for us to recognize this is a tremendous resource and we're referring to blessers of Israel to help us to become informed of what's happening, what the scriptures have to say about it so that we're not surprised and we're reminded that God is not surprised by events as they're unfolding in our time. The God of eternity uh, is overseeing and understands what's, what's happening and he has given us a resource in his word to help us uh, Mm -hmm. to know how to respond uh, and to watch and pray. We're talking this afternoon with uh, Pastor Rich Jones and Associate Pastor Matthew Dodd. Uh, Matthew Dodd is the Executive Director of Blessers of Israel, and Pastor uh, Rich is the founder and um, chairman of blessers of israel we're going to take a quick break here in a moment but when we come back i want to make sure we talk about how our listeners can become involved and uh, not just take advantage of the resource which i hope they will but there are ways to be uh, to be involved as well to become a member for example we'll get into that in just a few moments again you're listening to the Georgine rice show we'll be back
1: you're listening to the Georgine rice show podcast is aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
2: Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Once again, we're continuing our conversation Pastor Rich Jones and uh Dr. Matthew Dodd are my guests. We're talking about the Ministry Blessers of Israel, a tremendous resource to help us understand what the scriptures teach and to understand events as they're unfolding in our time and what to anticipate. Uh, in the future. I think it's important for people to have access to this reliable source of information. But I think there, uh, there are opportunities for even deeper involvement with blessers of Israel. So I want to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about your vision for our listeners and, and those of us in the body of Christ who want to walk in obedience and understand what the scriptures teach us in order that we can watch and pray and uh, walk with faith and confidence.
4: I appreciate you asking that, Georgine. I think the first thing we'd encourage people to do is to come to our website, blessers.org. That's blessers, B-L-E-S-S-O-R-S dot O-R-G. Come and take a look at our website. You can see all the information that's there in regards to our fourfold vision and mission to have an impact both on the church by equipping her and also on Israel in terms of sharing the gospel of jesus christ and equipping the messianic jews to share the gospel with their brothers and sisters their fellow jews and so i'd encourage them to take a look at the website you can see all the great resources that we have here i'd specifically encourage you to go to our newsroom page what we do is we act as an aggregate we want to collect news from outside sources and then we bring biblical commentary we have original articles that are there Plus, you will see uh, the the most recent podcast that we've aired as well. So it's a great resource, and it's a trusted resource. We scour through many, many outside sources to find the types of news that are relevant, not not noise, we want signal. Things that are very specific to Israel and and coming from a a variety of sources so that people can say, okay, I can trust this now. And then we bring that biblical commentary to it. So they can understand how to interpret these events properly. So that's one way. is just to check out the source and and see it. And if it's ministering to you, if you feel like, boy, this is this is something I want to partner with, then you can do so. Uh, there's a way to uh, join our news feed. and so you'll get up to date information in regards to what we're putting out at Blessers of Israel. New content. Check out also our social media pages. That's important for for churches, invite us to come on out and speak at your church. Or if you're going to have a, a conference, we would love to come out there and talk about Blessers of Israel and the importance of this ministry at this time in history. And obviously, uh, we are a ministry and we would appreciate any partnership financially that you would want to, uh, to give as well. Uh, so that we can be more effective and efficient in bringing this message both to the church and ultimately reaching Israel.
3: I would add to that, <clears throat> when you go out onto the website, of course they can sign up to be a member, they can join the email list, they can join the news feed. But I would really highly suggest going through the videos where we give a tremendous background and history, modern history of Israel— and a modern history of the modern Palestinian problem, because that puts the world's, perspective, uh, the world's issues in perspective, because I really believe that's going to become the central issue. In fact, that's what Saudi Arabia just recently said.
4: It is. And what I like about the videos and the articles, we want to respect people's time. Mm-hmm. And I think it can get overwhelming when you're reading mm-hmm. you know, these lengthy articles, and it's like, well, what's the bottom line? What's mm-hmm. the main point? They're concise. They're precise, and yet they give you the essence of the history so that you can be
2: informed. Well, it's a tremendous resource. I know at some point in the future, I know you have taken many teams uh, to trips uh, to Israel, but in future that will be uh, an extension of Blessers of Israel as well?
3: Absolutely, yeah. We uh, we know that when people... Uh, get an understanding of the role and significance of israel they 're going to want to experience it for themselves, yep.
4: you know when I was going to seminary at Dallas Theological <clears throat> Seminary, one of my professors Dwight Pentecost, what a great mm-hmm. name for a professor <laughs> dwight Pentecost he went he, he didn 't go to Israel till later on in his ministry and and he shared how you know, going through the scriptures as he would as a scholar, it was like reading it in black and white and getting a picture of Israel, but not really getting the flavor. Then you go there, and it was like high definition. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think it's so important for people to go to Israel is they begin to see where these biblical events happen, to walk where Jesus walked. Uh, it, It just will transform your life.
3: Well, to use another analogy that's very similar, I don't know if you've ever ever seen these uh, videos of a person who is colorblind and then as a birthday gift or whatever, somebody gives them these new glasses, you know, and uh, they can see in color for the first time in their life, right? And so everybody brings balloons and everything and dresses up in great colors. And the colorblind person opens the gift, they put these glasses on, and they're shocked. For the first time in their life they can see color and they cry and they weep. I mean, it's such a deep moment. That's what it's like to visit Israel. It's like putting on the glasses where you can see the Bible in color. In fact, I was just there, just got back two or three weeks ago, brought uh, brought a group, uh, two buses, and it was life-changing. Everybody who was on the trip came back and said, I will never read my Bible the same again ever. It's that impactful. So yes, we will invite people to join us on future trips to Israel because it is life-changing and you'll never see Israel the same again either.
2: Yeah, I know I've traveled to Israel several times myself and that is so true. Of all the places in the world that I've visited and I've been all over the world, the one place I always want to return is Israel. There is something there that Mm -hmm. draws me and captures my attention because so much of what I've read in Scripture has has happened there and Mm -hmm. I meet Jesus there in a very... Uh, in a very different way, in a more tangible way. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that, uh, future where blessers of Israel will have the opportunity to travel together, not just to see the sites, but to be reminded of what happened in these locations that are, that's relevant to us today and our understanding of who God is, what He has done, and what He uh, will do in the future.
3: Meanwhile, um, uh, I tell you, it's such an important thing to keep your eyes on what's happening in Israel. And so that is really the, the mission of Blessers of Israel, to help people to, to keep their eyes uh, on what's happening, to be informed about its biblical significance so that they can pray. And ultimately, our vision is for revival.
4: Amen. And I would say when you're coming to the news source, when you're gonna, what you're going to see is there will be a, a focus on what is happening with your major players that we mentioned a moment ago. There will be mentioning of articles related to Israel, but also to Iran, to China, to Russia, and to those in the neighborhood in the Middle East. We want to see, but also the United States, because that directly impacts what happens Mm -hmm. to Israel as well. You know, uh, the United States is one of the the greatest partners and allies of Israel and vice versa, Israel to the United States in the Middle East. And so what's happening right there in terms of that relationship is so important for us to understand in the latter days.
3: But in the United States, there is a rising anti-Semitism. There is. I mean, it's very concerning when you see what's happening in college campuses all across this country. If you were to do uh, some polling, you would be shocked. How many people are standing with the Palestinian Arabs, have taken their narrative, and believe that's the narrative that you know that should rule the day? That is a misinformed narrative, I will tell you.
4: Interestingly enough, Israel now is going to begin to fund education here in the United States mm-hmm. to help counter the narrative. And well,
3: they should. And they should. Because yeah. that narrative is based on a misunderstanding and a lack of understanding, I should say, about the root of it. And I mentioned... Uh, The United Nations made a partition plan. Can you imagine what would have happened had the Arabs accepted that partition plan? Well, we would have a two-state solution, and we would not have this conflict that we're having today. But the outright rejected it, and instead uh, a war ensued, and no one thought that Israel would survive except for the hand of God. Because they don't want Israel to exist at all. Exactly. That's it. That's
2: right. Well, no one ever believes that Israel can stand, and yet <laughs> the mm-hmm. God who made a covenant with Abraham um, has declared what the future will be. Uh, mm-hmm. Once again, we want to encourage you to take full advantage of this tremendous resource, Blessers of Israel, org. And by the way, you can put in the full name, you can misspell blessers, and it will take you <laughs> to the right Uh, site, I would encourage you to begin to look at the videos that help to explain the issues surrounding the nation of Israel. Take advantage of the uh, featured articles. There's some resources from outside sources that, again, are reliable to help us uh, to appreciate uh, what God's word has to say and how to respond, how to watch and pray. I so uh, I'm looking forward to uh, this ministry, as it continues to grow and move forward, and uh, the body of Christ becoming better equipped to respond in a way that's biblical, is honoring to God and stands in support of Israel. Thank you both so much for spending this hour with us um, to help us become blessers of Israel.
3: This has been an absolute pleasure, and Georgine, we want to have you on our podcast. Absolutely, I'll be there.
2: <laughs> I would love to do that. God bless Absolutely, you, Georgine. Thank you so much. Again, uh, Pastor Ritz Jones and Associate Pastor Matthew Dodd, who's also Executive Director of Blessers of Israel. We are out of time. I appreciate your listening and want to thank James Blend for producing and engineering a portion of today's program and Dave King, the engineer for the remainder of this program. Have a great night. Thanks
1: for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com and like us on Facebook.